0: Okay, so we are recording. Heck yeah! And what a pretty morning! Man, this is gorgeous. God. Barely okay. jacket
1: on weather. Barely. I know that's why um, I have the little hoodie going. I hear you. Little thin coat. I hear you. Ringing a bell. Shall we? Shall we roll? Let's freaking do it!
0: It is once again shiftless and a beautiful gorgeous morning. Autumn, fall, what's your what's your preferred term? I,
1: I never find myself saying the word autumn. I always say fall. Okay. I think it's a it's a like regional vernacular thing, isn't it?
0: It's just a mountain biker thing because we fall.
1: Yeah, (laughs) saw some good falls last night. Did did you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh goodness. Oh my gracious. That that leads me to um, my my first question I had for you as far as bike maintenance goes. Mm -hmm. I was always taught that you keep your brake levers tight enough to where they don't move but loose enough to where if you wreck, they will move. Okay. And last night we had a, a guy pull a uh, beautiful, splendid uphill endo and went down pretty hard, and his brake lever went up against his um, shifter, yeah. which was an illegal move anyways, but okay. we'll allow it. And his brake lever, because it was dark – um, he kept going, my brakes are sticking. Well, his brake lever had rotated rotated down, and so he was running XT or XTR brake levers, and they're catching on the shifter. Little did he know. Mm-hmm. But when we stopped to address it, we had to loosen his brake lever to even get it to move. Oops. Um, historically, I've always kept my brake levers to where if they – move in a wreck you can just reach down and yank them back that's the way i was always taught to run them okay i just didn't know if i was
0: you said you had a question in there what's your question oh
1: (laughs) i guess it was more of a (laughs) statement but just from my point of view so
0: uh i I will be the first to admit i have never consciously thought of that specific well the the whole reason
1: you do that though you, you don't want your brake levers so tight to where they won't move because then you run the risk of breaking your brake lever. Uh,
0: breaking a brake lever, yeah. and a broken brake lever is like one of the worst things yeah. you can try to deal with. So
1: the idea is you you have it tight enough to where it's not going to move under regular use, but if you, in the event of an impact, sure. it will move. No, it'll, it will yield. S- yeah,
0: makes all the sense in the world. I've just never consciously thought of it myself, but in turn, I rarely set the brake levers myself yeah i mean usually it's it's done at the build and go to get the fit and yeah. dial it in from there and hopefully i'm lucky enough that I, I don't take a tumble and it becomes an issue right
1: i was just wondering if that was if that was common knowledge or uncommon knowledge
0: I I'm, I'm going to go with the uncommon knowledge, but that's just me because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to bikes. <laughs> so uh, a- anybody that uh, wants to disagree with Brad on this subject or say it's common no- or uncommon knowledge, hey, reach out and touch us. Shiftlesslive at gmail.com.
1: I just thought that was one of those things that everybody did. And then I mentioned it last night. I was like, why are your brake levers so tight? He's like, so they won't move. And I'm like, but they're supposed to be able to move when you wreck. And so, for this specific case, like, you could just reach down and f- and move it back. And he's
0: like, ma- but maybe that's one of those things that's common knowledge at the mechanic level, at the wrench level, specifically. This guy doesn't wrench on his bike. His shop does. And not, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. Um, yeah. So, it's, it's never been anything that I've thought of. But I've taken plenty of falls. Mm-hmm. I've taken plenty of autumns. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have knock on wood i'm going to jinx myself here i already know it mm-hmm. i have yet to break a brake lever i've yeah. broken everything else on the bike at one I, well i've never broken a brake lever i've never broken a frame so i'm really jinxing myself now. i
1: think i've broken one of everything well
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> i've broken I've bro- <laughs> multiples on the same ride right? the, the, str-
1: <laughs> the strangest thing i've ever broken was a headset
0: no, I need to hear this story.
1: You know, I've broken two headsets. I used to buy, um, so in my youth, youthful days, I didn't think headsets were that important. I was like, well, it just turns, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'd buy, like, entry-level Cane Creek sure. headsets. Sure, sure. And so, you know, you have the cup that holds the, the bearing, and then you have the I don't even know what you call that piece that actually goes into the head tube. Um, on two separate occasions, I broke the insert that goes into the head tube off of the cup. Uh, cause I was just buying cheap headsets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a weird thing to happen, but so then I go, Oh, I get it. Now I need to, I, I get why we buy Chris King headsets. <laughs> that's, that's why
0: Chris King exists. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not just for smooth steering. You Not know.
0: sponsored by Chris King, but no. shout out to Chris no. King.
1: Um so now I run Cane Creek one tens uh headset or I actually on my newest bike I have White Industries yeah. headset. Um but um I've broken I've broken forks, I've broken frames, I've broken seat posts, I've broken cranks. I've blown up wheels. How about
0: a bottom bracket? Have you broken a bottom? bracket? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I've broken cups on bottom brackets, but not spindles. Themselves. I broke the spindle. Yeah. Single speeding with Mo at Knob Hills. Going when square, a, I'm guessing that was square taper. If if it was still in the Mo days. Probably. I yeah. thought it was an ISIS, but maybe not. Oh, okay. I can't remember specifically, but yeah. back when Knob Hills was still in out and back. mm Hmm. And towards the end when you had that one good up that coming back was a really good down. Yeah. Uh going going up that and it just sheared on me and racked my balls like you wouldn't believe.
1: Yeah. I cried. Yeah, I went through a, a spout where I was breaking chains all the time.
0: Yeah. I, and yeah, yeah, we, we remember that. Yeah. There's lots and of jokes still running on I'm, that one. Oh I'm sure.
1: I mean it's you know, it's it's part of what happened (laughs) it's the truth but um i was that that incurred a lot of racking and knee just slamming into stems which was never fun and and you know all jokes aside it makes you when you're that prone to breaking chains and dropping chains it makes you very gun shy sure sure and so when when I would get to a point where I wanted to lay down power, I would always find myself like,
0: mm-hmm. um, did, me, did me, you ever sort out what the underlying issue was on all that? Or did it just go away? I think it was a, a,
1: a compounding of multiple things. It was, uh, I was running a large tie, uh, cog in the back, which could or could not have been part of it. Um, in, in what way just because those boon cogs when you get to like 21 22 they tend to have a little bit of flex so they were
0: uh, the the cog itself was potentially flexing
1: potentially i think but in conjunction with uh that sernine frame has a lot was very the, in those days they were very spindly you know or compliant Mm, very <laughs> horizontally compliant, though. That's the problem. Because you could literally push on the, the crank and the whole bottom bracket would shift over like I I mean, two inches. I think
0: we found your problem right I think there.
1: That, I think that may have been the problem. And I was always running 180s, so I had a, lot more, a you, little bit more uh, leverage. Oh,
0: you, you're just stacking stuff uh-huh. here. You really are.
1: Uh-huh. And um, I think all of that kind of added up to be... The problem, um,
0: so I fought it for a long time. So pushing lots of leverage, but with a uh, with a twisty frame and a tweaky cog. Mm-hmm. And what chain were you running in those days, or did you keep switching around trying to find the magic formula?
1: Okay, I think I was just running like a nine speed chain, um,
0: generic single speed yeah. setup. Yeah, Tram nine speed or whatever it was. I was. Probably buying the cheapest chain back then. Well, that's that's what oh, we were. I was going through. <laughs> 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 they were disposable. Well, I I I think back then, and I'm I'm sure some some bike geeks going to argue with me on this one, but I'm pretty sure back in those days there really wasn't a whole lot of difference between the different levels of. Now, get don't get me wrong. If you went super super duper high end, there was probably some difference. Yeah. But at, at the at the basic consumer level, particularly for single speed applications,
1: well, you either ran—I can't remember if it's three thirty seconds and eighth inch, and one of them is for eight speed. De- and, yeah, it depends on on the thickness of your chain ring. Yeah, uh, yeah, is what really dictated it because you did not want slop in there.
0: Well, and the, yeah, that so that was that was back in the days before we had. Damn it! What's the term they use now for the chain ring? Those narrow, wide, narrow, wide chain rings. Yeah, they didn't exist then.
1: What a great invention! Those things are freaking bomb proof.
0: Oh, t- tell me about it. Well, I mean, I went, um, I went one by, I went one by nine, mm-hmm. real early in the process. It was um, on your piece. Wasn't no, it? no, it was on that strong that I got uh-huh. from Ben. Yeah. I, so I had it set up since I love that bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, something was going on. And I decided to step back from single speeding for a bit, but I, I just like, Clarence, just let's throw a shifter and a cog on there. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's going to drop. Well, we'll figure out a way to, for it not to.
1: Yeah.
0: And we played with it. And I mean, we had that little thing that was a little vinyl plastic nub thing that was supposed yeah, yeah, to be yeah, a chain yeah, yeah. holder. Mm-hmm. And it worked pretty well. Chain keeper. Until it didn't. Yeah. Because since it's plastic, eventually it would wear down and sure. eventually the chain would be. But yeah, I was running one by nine in like two thousand and eight, two thousand seven. Yeah. I loved it. I, I thought one by was a fantastic way to go. I'd take that bike out on the trails and people would look at me like I was stupid. Is that a single speed or is that a geared bike? Make yeah. up your mind.
1: I ran a um I told you about when we rode down to Mount or Lake Whitney. I set my bike up uh one by I think it was one by nine at the time, but for some reason i can't remember it was where i had my wheel placement or how wide my rear tire was i couldn't run uh two of the gears so it was relegated to one by seven and we rode all the way to like lake whitney Mm -hmm. and back it was like 186 miles and
0: it was it worked perfect (laughs) so yeah I, I, I get why things are 12 speed right now and maybe yeah. about to become 13 or are they already 13, but there's, there's some people that are already messing with, it. I think
1: Campy's already doing a 13, um, uh, it's it rotor. I think rotor's running a 13 transmission. I mean, but you know, I, I right before big Ben, I converted my bike. Well, it was already 12 speed. Um, but i replaced my entire drivetrain. um, It worked flawlessly. It worked worked flawlessly, by the way. Um,
0: (laughs) You did everything
1: wrong, but it it worked out I I would not advise anybody to do that, but but it worked perfect. Um, I replaced my chain, my cassette, my derailleur, my freehub body, and my cable. Um, Actually, I did not replace my cable because I knew it was going to stretch. Um, but I have a brand new cable, and now I'm going to replace yeah, now, my cable. Now you better replace the cable. Yeah. Um, but um, I was, was running um, 34 up front and an 1150. And I'm still running a 34 up front, but when I went to an XD driver, it allowed me to go to a 1052. That's a huge spread. Yep. Like, I don't even know with you know i'd have to sit down with a pen and paper or like sheldon brown gear calculator but when we were running two by and you were running like a an 11 you know 36 i don't mm. even know if you were getting as much gear range as i'm getting with the 34 10 52 right no i guess huge but i mean it's that gear's almost too low and then,
0: well, yeah, I mean, you're 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 pedaling at sub walking speed at that point.
1: Yeah, Um, and there was still stuff I had to walk. Sure, at, sure, down there. So, but it's plenty of gear, plenty of gear, and I love it.
0: Why are you so needy today, Luna? Huh? Luna's
1: so needy. She misses her mother. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Um. What else? What are we gonna talk about? did you have anything um, what was what we got a, we got emails got a couple of emails uh, i forgot the gist of them let me see i
0: just kind of forward them your way and, and yeah, let, I, let you digest them i read
1: both of them yeah i want to talk to this guy justin
0: yes i w- uh he he I think I mentioned after All or Nothing that uh, I I thought he would be somebody good to speak with. But why don't you read his email, and we'll see if we can set something up with uh, Justin, Justin Carey. You
1: want me to read it out loud? Sure. Okay. Hey, this is Justin Carey. Just wanted to thank you guys again for putting on all the spinistry races. That last All or Nothing race was truly one of the harder races I've done. I heard you guys mention me in your podcast, and I was laughing so hard when you were talking about my grandpa's seat. (laughs) If you guys ever wanted me to be a guest on your show, I would be up for it. I'm in Prosper, Texas. I could drive her over or call in. I do feel like I ride way different than most people, but I spend a lot of time on bike setup. I use Fidlock exclusively on XC Enduro and gravel bikes. I don't even know what Fidlock is. I remember you guys talking about Fidlock on a podcast.
0: Fidlock that? was that water bottle, um, that magnetic water bottle. Okay.
1: That's what I thought. Okay. I make my own blend of nutrition from the raw ingredients. It's way cheaper. See, I'm super interested in that.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and I have a lot to say about flat pedals, smiley face. Also, I have some bro science on overcoming injuries, being consistent on working out not quitting when racing i also think it's okay to get last or closed to last place in races i've been last or in the last few people in my in may race man justin let's proofread buddy in my race over the years and a lot of times i know this going into that race that i will do bad but i do them anyways because it's motivation for me to train harder for the next one absolutely i think a lot of us have entered races where we know that we're not gonna just win and you have to at the at the point you just chalk it up to a training ride Uh,
0: yeah there's no doubt i mean he, he justin embraces a lot of the philosophies that uh you know i attach myself to as well i'm not saying it's better or worse it's just uh, J- Justin is definitely unconventional from the racer perspective yeah there's a, you know in the racing community there's a lot of you know follow the leader for every aspect of it. oh this is what the pointy end of the field does. everybody else needs to do exactly that yeah so uh you know Justin definitely, defies conventional wisdom
1: i applaud people like that
0: i tend to yeah. defy conventional yeah. wisdom i think that might be the understatement of the year um but i mean I, yeah justin reminded me at the at the old, like i think his first event of ours was several years it was sansom 66 mm. and he shows up on an, an enduro bike and racing the sansom 66 you know man so that's a lot of bike to push that's a lot of bike to push at sansom there's no doubt about it Because you know it's going to turn to that so uh, i think uh, i think we're both in agreeance it might make sense to, to bring justin in to to chat sometime
1: he seems quirky enough to to talk to
0: I, I I think he'll appreciate the label of quirky, but mm. yeah, he'll,
1: he'll, I don't mean it with any nope. any disrespect. No, no, none none whatsoever. The it's cycling actually, world is is full of every flavor, and some of the people that go against the mainstream grain are some of my favorites. You know, so
0: all right, well, Justin, uh, we will uh, we'll reach out to you and we'll try to arrange something. We prefer to sit together live whenever possible, but if that doesn't Fit into your world. We'll make something work.
1: It's no better. Uh, Maybe yeah. we could go to Prosper. That's quite possible. I'm sure there's something up there to
0: eat. Gotta be. Yeah. People gotta eat. People gotta eat. Said you had another email too? Mm-hmm. From Josh Dean. Oh, that's right. I knew there was
1: a... <laughs> Josh um, being Josh. I think we all know some of the stuff he's talking about, but... <clears throat> he said had some time in the car driving to and from uh single speed Texas. So I took it as an opportunity to catch up on the show. couple notes, Mic levels aren't even Kevin sounds great, but Brad can barely be heard. I think we might have handled that yeah, at we, this point. Well,
0: we, we took, we definitely touched on it. The, I think the episode he was uh, listening to was that one we did indoors and, we had to throw some AI remove background noise on there. So that did mess with
1: Brad's mic levels a little bit there. But full disclosure, I think it was partially my fault not sitting close enough to the microphone. And, you know, maybe Kevin tweaking my levels down because <laughs> he wants to be the front runner. More Brad. More yeah. Brad. So um, interview with Ron and Ted. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Interview with Ron and Ted were awesome. Keep content like that coming. Um, I I totally agree. Um, Ron was a little bit much for me just because that stuff makes my brain hurt. But Ted was awesome to talk to. I mean, they were both awesome to talk to. Um, And he says, I suggest a winter training episode with Sean. He's a wealth of knowledge and knows the community and tech better than anyone. He is a very tech savvy guy when it comes to like indoor training and stuff like that, (laughs) but he's not a a mechanic.
0: So (laughs) Um, That's, that's uh that's, that's one of my favorite things about Sean is he, he's less bicycle mechanically inclined than I am. And that's, that's a pretty
1: low bar. I have to tell you a quick story where, um, they do a Thursday night gravel ride, uh, out of prosper. As a matter of fact, um, and so I would go up there and do that when Josh still lived here. Um, I didn't make it to too many, but probably half a dozen or so. Um, and I'm riding behind Sean on the gravel road one day. And I looked down, and I was like, whoa, Sean, stop. Dude, you got to stop. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I go, pull over. He had two, if not three, of his brake rotor bolts oh. were Almost all the way backed out to the point where, you know, if they fell out, they were gonna go. It was just gonna jam the whole system yeah, up.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was gonna lock up a I'm, wheel.
1: I'm not talking like a thread out. I'm talking like three or four sure, thread sure, showing. Sure. And he's like, "Oh, I, well, uh, I mean, just had no clue." <laughs> I was like, "Damn, son, do you ever look at your bike?" So I was just, I was blown away. I've never seen that before, but I have this, like, I want to say bad habit. I don't think it's a bad habit, but I habitually look at people's bikes. I'm always checking people's bikes out. And so that's the kind of stuff just sticks out to me. But I think anybody might've seen
0: these bolts sticking out of this rotor. <laughs> Spoken like two true grammar police right mm. there, but uh I, I see both ends of that spectrum. I relate to both ends of the spectrum. I think I'm pretty solidly in the middle myself. But I, I will say this, along those lines, I hate to admit it, it took a long time. But I am I am finally a center lock convert. Mm, I
1: just don't get it. I've never messed with them. I understand yeah
0: I understand,
1: and that's part of the problem too is I have a whole fleet that are all six well ball, that was my you know? that
0: was that that was my that was my issue as mm-hmm. well and I've just I've over the years from the promotions aspect that's one of the things you see you see the stuff that t- tends trends to have problems and trends to never have problems mm-hmm. of what First generation of center lock they had some issues with things backing out or maybe with some of the conversion kits or something I can't remember but the last 4 or 5 years of center lock it's it's basically flawless there's no issue there there are no bolts backing out there and it's surprising how often i have seen uh, rotor bolts backing out and causing issues for people it's called loctite i understand that it's called just doing the right thing Okay, yeah, welcome to the 21st century. Not everybody does the right thing. we can't blame the technology for I'm people, not blaming the technology all I'm, all I'm saying is center lock is more advantageous to those people that are less detail oriented than you might be That's a fair point I just um I don't
1: know and and it's not that I'm against center lock. on paper like I know I can't argue the fact that it seems. More efficient, you know, it's a
0: better system. And I, 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 I th- th- this yeah. is me. I was a center lock basher for years. Yeah. I, I, I actually almost hate myself for admitting it, but I am one of those people that can have yeah. my beliefs ch- changed. Huh?
1: I just, um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm diametrically opposed to it. I just, it's just never been my thing. And part of it was. I think part of it had to do with Shimano. I I, I don't know why I was, I can't remember. I, I I've been angry for so long. I don't even know why I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I really don't know
0: Brad what, in a nutshell. <laughs> everyone,
1: I don't I don't know why I drew a line in the sand, but at some point I did. And like I said, now I'm you know I have, what one two, three four five five bikes that are all six bolt. Right. So. Well
0: I, I, I think you probably drew the same line in the sand that I did, and we're going back to almost every episode we've we've spoken about. Yeah. This was uh from my perception and probably yours as well, our crowd in general this was an unnecessary shift in standards again. Mm-hmm. Is that that was the I think we were all just bashing our head against the, here here comes another standard again.
1: Yeah, that, that that may have been definitely part of it because there was so many just changes that were coming along and but, and I got really curmudgeonly. Like I I was a a square taper bottom bracket hold out forever too because I was like, "Well, why are we changing this?" You know, um But actually,
0: still something to be said to that to some extent. (laughs) Well,
1: but the reality is, you can have an ISIS or whatever other interface bottom bracket come loose. You know, you can have your your pedal or your crank arm come loose a little bit, and it won't completely ruin your shit. Yeah. Whereas I've had multiple bottom bracket crank failures just from your crank arm coming slightly loose, and then. I'm such a dickhead. I will like tighten it and go, Oh, that'll work. And then two rides later it's loose again and it just it's, continues it, it's to touched. waller. Yeah. It's and so I know me and I know that how I tend to be with stuff like that. So once I and plus the square taper tended to be a little bit more spindly. Um, a lot more flex in that system. Versus current day technology, but I did. I held off for on square taper for a decade at least.
0: So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, the the I agree that there were definite flaws in the scare, square taper world. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to infer that we should have stayed there. That's not where I'm going at all. Yeah. But you knew what you were working with. Oh yeah. Sort of thing. Whereas the last ten years of bottom brackets, it's that was part of the holdout
1: too. It's it was like. It was like yeah. I mean, because I had square taper on like four bikes. And so it's like, well, I can just take these cranks off and put these on. And, you know, I had spares laying around. Yeah, I think that's the the biggest thing, especially when you have like a, f- a fleet of bikes, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And I plus mean, that, one world. Yeah. And that was my whole um, just crustiness about 27.5. Like, I don't want a 27.5 bike in my garage when I have three 29ers. I'm like, now I've got to buy tires specifically for this bike, whereas I can change tires and almost change wheels, you know, around as I see fit, um, whereas 27.5 was going to be the one standout. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to do that. It's the same thing. Like, you wouldn't have Crank Brothers pedals on one bike right. and have SPDs right. on every other bike. Right. You know, it just
0: doesn't make any sense. But that was just – I, I'm actually going to dispute that. You, there's a lot of interchange. You can swap 27.5 and 29 and or 700. In a lot.
1: I'm talking about tires on I, wheels. The tires on yeah. wheels
0: aspect of it. But yeah, yeah the wheels themselves, and the, as long as you have the same rotors.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I realize you can run 27.5. You,
0: you can back out mullet. six bolts and uh. move it over. <laughs> or you can just crank it off and crank it on.
1: Yeah. I mean... Maybe one day I'll be a center nah, lock
0: guy. I, 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 I'm not. I am not trying to convert anyone. I'm, I'm addressing my own personal issues. Yeah. I've got lots of issues. So, me.
1: so what happens though? Um, my beautiful birds. Yep. Um, I, I guess I've, I've never even taken off a center lock or or installed one. So I don't even know like how that animal works. It's got a spline on it, obviously. And it goes over a central hub. And then you have a nut that cranks down with a proprietary tool. I
0: I let my bike shop do it Mm. and I never have to deal with it. So Mm. that's, uh, again, we're, 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 we're back in, we're back in the realm of it just works sort of thing. So there's, there's some advantage to that, uh, in my world anyway. And like I said, um, I don't think in the last 5 years, maybe probably longer cuz I'm getting old. So what I think is 5 years ago is now 10 years ago or 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same way. <laughs> I,
1: I do that I do that all the time.
0: But yeah, I uh I haven't heard of any center lock issues from anyone in at least 5 years. I guess is what I'm getting at.
1: I would imagine that if you're having a center lock issue, it's it's a you issue. Like it just wasn't tightened down properly. Some,
0: something, something, There were, there, like I said, there was something in that first gen of center lock that was causing conflicts. I can't remember exactly.
1: I'm sure they had to nail down their tolerances because all your standoffs have to be exactly yep. the same. And then I don't even, can't even, my brain's too tired this morning to even contemplate like when you get to boost and non boost and all that and how you how how wide your flanges can be and and where your rotor has to be situated and because it's got to be a, a, exactly the right distance yeah from where the, the brake mount is and everything so that's that's for engineers and, and whatnot but anyways i i just that's one of those things i haven't thought about in forever i just know like when i order wheels and gabe asked me do you want center lock i'm like no and I'm, like, that shitty about it, too. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I hear you. So, but it, like I said, I don't even know what the and, r- root of my argument is. And
0: I'm pretty sure, and any any wrenches listening, professional wrenches listening, at uh, gmail.com if you want to agree or disagree, I'm pretty sure at this point all the wrenches prefer center lock, too.
1: I would imagine it makes their job a lot easier. Yeah. You know, Um but then again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they both have their their drawbacks, but I would imagine – I mean, center lock does seem – I haven't sat and contemplated center lock in forever. But as I sit here and think about it, it seems probably a lot more efficient, a lot more simplistic. But then again, I don't know. Uh, not, not dealt with it. I hear you. I hear you. Again,
0: I'm not trying to convert anyone. Yeah. Just, just going uh, – th- Kevin can change his mind. No. It does happen.
1: You mean to finish this email? Yeah, please do. Um, I suggested winter training. Okay. And then he said when asking about new bike packing tech, I've enjoyed my Jack the ba- the bike rack. Jack the bike rack. I'm not familiar with that. He included a picture. Somehow um, I missed that. Looks pretty pretty sweet. Um, just kinda Loops over the bars right next to the stem, and then as it swoops down, it spreads and it just comes back towards the head tube. And then it's got looks like retaining straps that go around your um, your stack, uh, headset stack. Okay, and I can't see how it's stabilized that well, but it's just a little flat
0: oh okay that does look interesting yeah and it does look simple and efficient
1: very minimalistic
0: um
1: i'm very i think
0: it's going to be very particular to a stem or is it does it is it a dedicated stem no it's definitely not a dedicated no i'm just making sure so i mean that's not going to work with every stem is it i don't know okay what i don't
1: understand is how the standoff I can't see it well enough to see. Cause see this strap right here. Yeah, is like a retention strap that goes around the headset stack. Yeah. I don't see what's keeping this rack from just driving backwards. I don't know what, unless I think
0: it's the I think it's the, I think it's the I think it's the spring Oops. of the bend itself at the stem. There huh. is my guess. But hey.
1: Yeah. Oh, I bet I know what it is. I bet. I imagine this swoops and goes under the stem okay yeah okay so it's like leveraged out
0: all of our listeners can see that very well
1: yeah oh this works great for (laughs) audio only anyways it's
0: called jack the bike rack what's what's uh you just have the picture that's not a url to them okay i'll 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 put a link in the description if people want to check it out i'm very front front bike rack curious especially
1: for like my go-to-town bike you know, I I've not ran a, a rack for any reason. Um, I actually I don't think I've ever owned a rack, and I'm more curious about a rack now than I ever have been. But I just want like a front rack, um, you know, because I can I ride into Denton all the time, and I'm typically limited by what I can purchase and carry by my half frame bag.
0: Okay,
1: I hear you. I mean, I've been to the art festival and bought, like, I've, I've got a ceramic bowl that I love. And I bought that and put it in my half frame, you know. And I've bought, you know, soft goods and stuff. And I've even bought some produce and stuff. But it's always limited by what I can fit in my half frame. Okay. Whereas if I had a front rack, especially one that I could throw on that didn't take, you know, 20 minutes to install. Yep. Um, I'd be pretty stoked about it. Um, just from a versatility standpoint, um, and being able to carry something back, you know, maybe some little bungees or whatever, but I just think it's, it's fun to go capture something on your bike and bring it back. It's fun to carry anything on your bike, you know, that's why bike packing is so much. Fun. That's
0: part of, that's part of the allure of bike packing. No doubt about it. uh, <clears throat> And the platform type racks, like that jack rack, mm-hmm. w- was uh, seem to be trending upwards these yeah. days. Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: especially if you watch uh, Pathless pedal he's he's all about he's the front.
0: He, he's into those front
1: yeah those
0: front racks. I I I think YouTube's not throwing that in my uh,
1: algo anymore. Re-
0: Recommended as much yeah. as it used to. So I haven't seen
1: YouTube's it, algorithms have really kind
0: of changed. I, I was trying to tell you that. If, a few episodes ago and you yeah. were telling me it was me that's changed. I'm pretty sure it's YouTube that's changed. I think it's a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh now I did see a very interesting one, the most recent Burn Peak with the paved trails. Have you seen that one yet? Mm-mm. Very interesting. Hmm. Up at uh Bentonville and yeah. talking specifically about the paved tra- paved mountain bike trails up yeah. there. Yeah, it
1: McAfee's – pr- uh had some video of that a couple of weeks back when he was up there for Big Sugar, I think, or whatever. He was actually showing video of that.
0: It's pretty, it's pre- it's pretty interesting stuff, and his his takeaways from it uh, make a lot of sense. I'll it, have to watch it. I, th- I, th- I think uh, I think you should. Who knows? Maybe we'll try to get that guy on sometime. That would, that be, would a, be that would be that would be an fun. interesting conversation. Yeah, I bet he's pretty busy though these Probably. days. Probably. That, it's
1: funny because when you say paved trail, I immediately think RCP. <laughs> because, <clears throat> remember all the bitching that used to go on yeah, about yeah. dumbing down the trail? Well, yeah, Maybe he, that was North Shore as well.
0: It's all it's all of them. Yeah. It's all of them. But he, he definitely touches on that hot topic yeah. when he talks about the concept in general and where it makes sense and where it may not. I just can't imagine
1: because as much as everybody used to shit talk – you know, the the quote-unquote dumbing down the trail, and it was always like, what are they going to do next? Pave it, you know? And so I can't imagine being the guy that has to pitch the idea of, (laughs) let's pave the the trail.
0: (laughs) 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 Everybody's like, what the fuck? (laughs) I actually, I suggested that we have to be going on twenty, at least 15 years ago for for LB Houston back Mm -hmm. in the day. It actually made sense to me. It's like, just keep the train and throw asphalt over it. Yeah, it, it's it, it's you know, it's always out of commission anyway. Yeah, it's actually accessible and you could do it, sort of thing. Now I can look back on it now and go, no, it doesn't make sense in Texas soil at all. There's no, no way it would ever last. No, I mean they can't even uh, the sections of the net that mm. they've paved and treated and uh, they can't even keep those maintained. Yeah. So let alone try to do it on single track mountain bike trail of some sort.
1: Yeah, I think crushed granite's probably your best bet. It really is. It really is. But I think about, you know, if I'm a novice amateur cyclist, I'm going to be intimidated by riding anything that's not just flat terrain that's going to tear me up when I fall. Sure. You know what I mean?
0: Well, but it's actually, it's a two-sided coin, though, because the reality is when you're doing, particularly as a noob, when you're doing maybe something that's looser or sketchier or a little bit bumpier or, or whatever you're going a lot slower whereas if you tr- if you go on a paved trail with mm-hmm. with berms and jumps and dipty-doos and whatever mm-hmm. else well you may hit a dipty do wrong at 25 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. and you're you're going to hurt something as opposed to falling down at 6 miles an hour
1: yeah
0: where it's like oh i got a bruise No. You fall at 25 miles an hour, you got broken bones. Yeah.
1: Unless you know how to fall. I
0: I used to know how to fall.
1: Those slow falls sometimes are the worst. They can be. Because I think what ends up happening, when you're going fast and you fall, it happens and you don't have time to fight it. You just go, oh, this is happening, and you kind of tuck and you you lean into it, so to speak. Sure, sure. Whereas with a slow speed fall... You well, have, you're going to put an arm down, yeah, or, or you have a lot more time to fight it. And so, what happens is you're like, no, 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 and then
0: it's like, right, and it just beats you. But you the, pro- the problem with the high speed fall, though, is if you actually, even if you're instinctually doing your tuck and roll, or that's what your body does, if you hit a tree or a fence post or something like that, yeah, y- you're going to really hurt something. Those trees, man, they just don't move. <laughs> They're stubborn as hell. <clears throat> That's crazy. I mean, that that was that was how I dislocated my shoulder. It was mm-hmm. it, it was it was exactly that. it was in Atlanta. It was a it was a super fast, hard pack, twisty trail, just flying, and mm-hmm. it just crossed up, caught caught a berm, started to lift up, came down. It's like, oh wait, the trail went left. I'm going and I'm going into the woods now.
1: Have you had you ridden that trail before? Nope. No, so you were flying on a trail you didn't know.
0: Over, yeah, I basically overcommitted. Yeah, but it was also one of those things. Well, I've been doing it for twenty minutes, and you could see where you're going, and got this one up, and it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I was, I, I, wasn't balls out or anything. Sure. I thought I was, I thought I was within safe parameters, but I thought I was within safe parameters for a North Texas trail. Yeah, so this was a little bit it wasn't more technical, but a little bit more steep up and down and flowy. And it was a new type of trail that I wasn't used to. Oh, nice. Champions. (laughs) Go Rangers. Um,
1: yeah, I have kind of a strict policy about not just letting loose on a trail that I don't know. Like even, even last night we were riding uh, North shore backwards, which is what happens after the time changes. Um, And it's amazing to me how every year I have to relearn that because it's completely different. And so I'm not—I'm real timid because I don't know—I can't remember the trail. I mean,
0: I've always had a basic rule of don't ride outside of what you can see. Yeah. What what, you know, you know, if you're going into blind turns, yeah. Even if it's a trail you know, yeah. You don't know when there's going to be a tree across the trail or some mm-hmm. a, somebody with a dog on a leash across the trail or whatever else.
1: I've so, seen I've seen so many videos of people just flying down the trail and then there was one and it was it seemed like it was Bentonville cuz it was like pump track almost jump track right next to a road and this guy comes up good. and he and he he's been hitting all these jumps and he goes over this one jump and there's a guy walking up the jump and he just jumps and and he's mid-air right by the time he sees the guy can't make any corrections and the video cuts like right at impact and i'm like i'm glad i didn't get to see that i heard those videos where these guys are going and and they're hitting jumps same way but the the trail goes over like a, a berm down into the left and they just jump and go straight and they land out yeah. this field and yeah, they I land see, on top I've, of each other Yeah, i've seen that one you know,
0: that was like Central America or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's like, like always that.
1: know the trail. So, I mean, and, and it becomes even more important when you're doing like true jump lines, you know, like when you're doing um, shuttle assist or lift assist. I mean, I, I always slow roll a run at least once or twice before I go brakes off and, sure. and just hit it.
0: but. Just for those who might be wondering, our nationwide dominance still has not taken effect. Still still nobody from North Dakota or Alaska that's listening to Shiftless, but since we were talking about damn you Alaska, other countries, so our international audience is expanding. By ranking, Canada, nothing surprising there. Poland, Australia, Germany, United Kingdom, Philippines, Portugal, Nicaragua, Finland, South Africa, probably somebody that knows Garrett, mm-hmm. Italy, Get it. France, Cayman Islands, Mexico, Estonia, Slovenia, Spain, wow. Netherlands, Taiwan, Norway, New Zealand, Colombia, Slovakia, Dominican Republic, Brazil, India, Bulgaria, Austria, and Denmark. So we'll start working on world domination soon. That's freaking. That's in, that's humbling. That's pretty cool, I think.
1: But it makes me think of a, an ignorant question: like, what if somebody's using a VPN? I can to listen.
0: I'm not. I'm not the one to answer that question.
1: Yeah, I'm just
0: curious because I don't know how all that stuff works. I. I mean, I know VPNs exist. I don't even know what you're supposed to do with it or why. Quite frankly, yeah, it's so it says you're somewhere else maybe well, no basically it says you're nowhere maybe i mean i don't
1: know i don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're just two idiots. <laughs> we're idiots.
0: and uh i'm sure josh dean will fill us in oh yeah
1: yeah um no i, I i've become more and more like vpn curious because especially all the stuff of um i i don't know i'm also a conspiracy guy um, I've been hearing. Go on. And I've been hearing that they they're gonna try to start regulating the internet uh, in America, um, and filtering what you can and cannot access and stuff. And it's even more of a reason to utilize a VPN because the VPN basically doesn't regionalize you. Um. So, like it in an, in a nutshell. And, and I'm not going to do this sure, any justice, sure, but sure. like if you wanted European content and it was limited because of your location in the United States, then you could utilize a VPN and the filter would know that you're in the United States. So you'd be able to view the European content just for weird example, but it has multiple benefits. It's just, it's another thing to freaking pay for. <laughs> that's my thought process, and that's how come I haven't adopted one yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I if if I find the need for one, maybe I'll I'll go that route. And no, we're not looking for a VPN sponsorship no. at this point. No, I don't even I don't even know enough about VPNs. Yeah, even speak wisely. We'd be able to do them <laughs> any
1: good. Mm-mm. Although maybe that's the premise, if a dum dum like me can use it, <laughs> <laughs> so can you. Uh, we had a good group last night at TNSS. Back to riding at night, and okay. we had our we had our uh, Thanksgiving feast afterwards in the parking lot. It was pretty cool. Had a lot of good food, um, good people. Had our burn pit going. Um, it's a good time of the year. My boy Dan brought some Peking duck, which was for me. I was super stoked about.
0: Yeah, I see that. Um,
1: we had, I mean, we had a little bit of everything. Of course, Carl, the vegan, brought some salad, tossed freshly tossed salad right in the parking lot. We had sweet potato pie or sweet potato casserole, spiral cut ham. I, I know I'm missing a bunch of stuff. There was so much good food: chicken wings and. Um, I brought bread and butter, as I do. It was just good times. Good Very people. Good. Very good. Oh, and Get It brought, m- how did he say it? Milk tart uh, pie. It's milk tart pie, but it's uh, apparently it's a South African tradition, and it was fucking delicious. So, it was everything I could do to only eat one piece. Wh-
0: so what is milk tart pie? Walk, so the, walk me through this. The
1: closest thing I could probably put it to as like a buttermilk pie. Oh, um or, you know, ch- or chess pie. Chess pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but it was it was inside stu- joke. Inside joke. good. You gotta you gotta stupid. go back several episodes. Yeah. It was um a homemade crust. Um I didn't get to ask him. It almost had had kind of like a dusting on the top that up and now it was dark. Sure. Sure. Um but it looked like it was like a in appearance, looked like uh, cinnamon or cocoa or something. Uh, It was like a dry look, Um, but it didn't have a ton of impact on the flavor. And I meant to ask him what it was. It was not overwhelming at all. No, it wasn't like, oh, you know, like if it was cinnamon or cocoa, it would have been. Um, And neither one of those flavors were in that pie, so I don't know what it was. But, damn, it was good. Um, I think that was the only dessert besides sweet potato casserole. But anyways, it was good. Well, we didn't have a turkey, though. Seems I was weird. Supposed,
0: I about to ask, was there a turkey involved?
1: We had duck. Well. Who needs turkey when, when you got, got duck,
0: too? Yeah.
1: It reminds me of um, a Christmas story at the end when they go to the Chinese the restaurant. Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody even said, it would have only been better if you'd have brought it whole and a cutting board and just <laughs> lopped the head off <laughs> and said, Thanksgiving. <laughs> but that was Christmas. So, so you know. And they're doing another one next I, I was about
0: to say forgive my ignorance i thought i saw something about y'all there's doing, gonna be duplicates doing a double feature this year or something yeah, like that
1: everybody everybody couldn't make it I, in fact i won't be able to be there next tuesday either um i'm headed to mississippi um but it was good times it's always good times i love it when we ride and food
0: so if you're not if you're in mississippi you're not going to be available to record next week that's accurate yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, we will plan accordingly.
1: I was going to tell you that.
0: That's all good.
1: Um, yeah, we're headed to Mississippi on Tuesday. Okay, um, and probably won't be back until Sunday. Okay, so
0: well, we're we we've got an episode of Cushion right now. Yeah, so we're good. We're yeah, good. I,
1: I like the way that that episode, the first half, worked and out. They, yeah. Oh, no, not not the ending.
0: I like I like the ending a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> Because I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> mm. Wait, I don't know how. Wait, remind me. What did, what did I say? I'm there. Or something when you're talking about next year's version of Spinistry Palooza. Oh. oh, I'm
1: 100% serious. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to try to recruit more people to go. I was talking to Adam about it last night. I was like, dude. No, let's, let's,
0: let's not go hog wild on this because we've only got limited bandwidth. That's so. fun.
1: That's fun. Just – um. Well, you know, first come, first serve.
0: Understood. Huh. Understood. We'll fi- we'll, f- we'll figure it out when it gets closer. Uh, we're putting together a spring ride in the national park right now. That probably open that up next week. Very cool and, as well. But I think uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like both, but yeah. I, I like the I like the I like the Spinney Palooza route better than the national park route.
1: What about the state park route?
0: I, Isn't there like 50 mile loop over there? Uh, single track? The, they're, uh, mountain bike trail, I guess, is a better way to describe it. There's some single track. There's some Jeep road. There's some yeah, semi-bushwhacking from my understanding.
1: But it's not It's not something you do on a gravel bike is what I'm getting at.
0: I don't believe that's the recommended approach.
1: I know mean, Shannon did it on, on his horse thief, I think.
0: I mean that it's. Um, uh, I mean that's what the vegan cyclist and his buddy did on that impossible route. One down there was a good bit of the state park stuff. Okay. So uh, I can't remember what bikes they were on for theirs.
1: Speaking of which, uh, vegan cyclist and the impossible routes and stuff. Give me a uh, like elevator pitch on your north to south route that. Is that fully established? Fully vetted? The
0: route is vet is one hundred percent vetted.
1: Okay, and, and it's
0: been it's one hundred percent vetted by bicycle tires too.
1: Okay, so what it what is the um, start and what's the finish?
0: The start is the Red River, uh huh, just north of uh, Munster. Okay, uh, and the finish is Big Bend National Park. Oh, fucking
1: tits! Yeah, okay. And it's thirteen or fourteen hundred miles.
0: It's a thousand miles.
1: Oh, it's a thousand miles. Oh, okay. Only a thousand.
0: Only a thousand.
1: <laughs> so, has this has this route been ridden in completion?
0: Uh, it has not been ridden con- continuously. Continuously, contiguously. Yeah. Point to point yet. Yeah. Uh, we'll be doing a group in March. Okay. For that on a semi-supported basis. Mm-hmm. Well. Semi-supported, it's a loose arm. Uh, spinistry vehicle will be around, and we'll see how it, it works for a – Are you going to sp- do it
1: stage-like, like, stage like you do red?
0: Stage-type segment, yeah. I've got some stuff laid out. Yeah, We have to get a little bit more creative. Mm-hmm. There's some lack of amenities zones that are more prevalent. That plays into my wheelhouse. Understood. Yeah. It's, so we're uh, – yeah, so we're do- we're doing that in March – the end of that one will end up at Big Bend National Park, so we'll probably do, if folks are able to come down for like Sunday, Monday,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and want to do a Big Bend National Park club spinistry ride that mm-hmm. don- aren't able to do the full Tasha Trail, mm-hmm. we'll do that one in March, but then we'll do an April Big Bend National Park club spinistry ride that's just the, uh, just the national park is yeah. is the idea for that one. That's going to be April 19th weekend, I think is what we have. Reserved at the moment. That's my anniversary weekend. Paula would love it. <laughs> That's
1: exactly what she wants to do. <laughs>
0: yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> <clears throat> um, that
1: back to the name Tasha. Yeah. Can you tell me, I, I know we talked about this, not this specifically, but we talked about how you're a lot more historical with your naming of routes and stuff now, which I applaud, but can you tell me where Tasha comes from? Cause I, I really don't know.
0: Uh, Tayshia is the Caddo word, uh, Native American word, Texas tribe, for friend or ally. Okay. It's what uh, the Spanish, when they came into the region, took over and turned Taysha in- into Tejas. Mm. And Tejas is what the whites who took over the area... Turned into Texas. Huh. So Tayshaw is the origin of the term Texas and it means friend or ally. Interesting. So
1: I went to summer camp in East Texas for years and they divided us into tribes. Okay. We had two different, you know, basically you were on a different team and it was Caddo and Tejas. Okay. Was the two teams, blue and red. And um, we had, you know, all kinds of competitions and stuff, but I never. About all that, you know, I knew Tejas was where Texas uh, kind of came from, but I didn't know about the Taisha route and stuff.
0: The, the Taisha route was was new to me mm-hmm. uh, as well. I, I wasn't familiar with that term till I started doing research. After I discovered this route, mm-hmm. discovered that's not the right. After I put together this route, right? Um, I mean, it's always been there. Yeah, and it's just this is my iteration of going across the state, but a lot of it parallels what were some of the na- Native American trails that became the wagon trails that it's turned in the state highways and interstates. Mm-hmm. That's that's something a lot of people don't recognize is I-20 going across the state. Mm-hmm. It basically, that's the same thoroughfare that was what the Native Americans used as their main thoroughfare as well. You, you Loosely, s- yeah. Yeah, very – I mean, not foot for foot, but it follows the same topography and terrain because path of least resistance. Yeah. Generally speaking. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I say this almost too much on road trips when we go out west Texas, but I just look out across the plains and you see all those ditches and, you know, little chasms and stuff, and I just think, you know, somebody pointed their wagon this way and just said, we're going this way. And they run up on one of these little ditches or whatever, or, you know, canyons, not the mm-hmm. right word, mm-hmm. but, and and they go, well, oh, fuck, we got to go around. And then they, they spend a day or two going around this little bitty thing just yep. to be right back here. And I was just like, it, it just, it, it it blows my mind to think that people were that hardy and they just... Pointed their their wagon and, you know.
0: Well, but, I mean, actually, that goes back to what I was talking about. The -hmm. the wagons followed the trails that the Native Americans developed because Mm -hmm. the Native Americans found that creek crossing that was a low point Mm -hmm. that was the easiest point to cross. So instead of getting to a creek and having to go five miles this way to find a crossing, Mm -hmm. the Native American Trail... Angled over towards where that low crop, and that's where the wagon team
1: probably started with game trails. As a matter of fact, too.
0: Pro- man, exactly, you know. exactly. They were fo- they were following where the buffalo went and things like that.
1: I- I'm going to mess this up tremendously, but um, it's my understanding, and like I said, I'm going to mess this up. But cars are the width they are, obviously, because it you know two people sit next to each other. But the the railroads. The, the width of the railroad track was designed in alignment with the width of uh, the horse-drawn carriage because the, the width of two horses' butts and the way the wheels fell in line with their tracks and the horses essentially beat down where the wagon wheels were going to fall. And then all that translated over to the width of a railroad track. I can't remember how the whole thing plays out, but I never thought about how all that stuff lined up. Um, obviously, there's somebody that says it way more eloquently than
0: me. I, I think I follow yeah. the logic that you're getting at. I've never heard that before. I'm not. Dis- yeah. I'm not disputing it. And I guess it. You know, it's a loose standard anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, no, it's not. Well, Railroad tracks are like by the. I mean, they they do have some tolerance, but.
0: They are now, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. So back in the burgeoning days of mm-hmm. the railroad industry, mm-hmm. you had competing standards. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He's there really was funky. narrow gauge, wide gauge, mid gauge. and Oh, wow. So the, there were issues, well, even, even into the 20th century, where different railroads were completely incompatible. So mm. if you were getting something from northwestern...
1: Union Pacific
0: or whatever, but trying to take it to Florida, you had to offload in Chicago and move to a different gauge line.
1: Man, I, I, I can I can see why people would think that was a good thing, though. It's kind of almost like territorial, like hey, we're KCS, you can't bring your Union Pacific shit over here, you know?
0: Well, no, I'm sure, I'm sure that was yeah yeah. People people are territorial. People are very tribal.
1: Yeah very and that's very what I was tribal. thinking about when we were just talking about the Caddo Tejas thing I was like even from a child I was programmed to be like us against them it's
0: yeah the the whole us versus them thing that's that's one of my personal hot buttons that yeah Well, can't we all just get along We've outgrown it yeah we have we, we need to we should have outgrown yeah. it I guess is we're, we're we're at the point where we should be able to look beyond that and not just. Well, that's them. That's the wrong way to do it. So that's, oh, we're the good guys.
1: I think our motto should just be, meet in the middle. M-E-A-T? No. (laughs) I don't know. I could work with that.
0: You could do something with that, right?
1: I just think that that people focus on differences way more than they need to, way more than they do on uh, similarities. I think uh, if we just let some of our guard down and realize that we're we're all the same, we're all going through the same shit. we're all fighting similar battles. we've all been through similar shit and we all care about the same things to the for the most extent. you know you just need to be nice to each
0: other be love. be lovely to each other. ride your bike, ride your bike, respect the e bike hug somebody respect the e bike <laughs> what the <fuck? laughs> hey i
1: I've said it before. I, I'm taking on the the thought of if you're on a bike, you're you're good. So,
0: I I yeah. Unfortunately, um, based on uh, conversations with with my doctor, I think I'm going to have to go the e bike route here sooner rather than later.
1: Awesome! I'm going to give you so much shit. <sighs> So much shit. Why? Well, what'd your doctor say? Talk to me. Uh, it's just my. I'm not a doctor, first I, of all, but I, I'm going to argue with everything he said.
0: I'm sure you will. Mm-hmm. No, my knees are fall, My knees are falling apart. it's yeah. that. It's, it's, it's that simple.
1: But can we not rebuild?
0: Uh, we can replace them. Hmm. Uh, it's highly recommended that that be delayed as long as possible because if I replace them now, I'm going to have to replace them again.
1: Um. Have you tried any stem cell?
0: Not stem cell. I'm doing hyaluronic acid right now.
1: I need to recommend PRP to you tremendously platelet rich plasma, um, super cheap, relatively, um, highly effective. Um, it can stave off all of this for probably three to five years. Um, I think, I think it's like a grand out the door. Um, But essentially what they do is they pull your own blood, they put it in a centrifuge, cycle out the the plasma. So the plasma is really concentrated, and then they inject it straight into the site. Um, The way the the doctor explained it to me, um, your body is constantly trying to repair itself. But the more damaged a joint or area gets, the more scar tissue it has. So it's harder for your body to access that point. And send all these resources. So what they're doing is by injecting it straight into the site, not only are they giving it a concentrate of what it needs, it's getting there right there. Um, So I I thought I was going to have to have surgery on my back. Um, I I mean, I was to the point where I couldn't, if I dropped something on the ground, I couldn't pick it up. Um, I could, I was so stiff. I couldn't, I mean, I, I, it was a struggle for me to get out of bed. Um, Went and had an mri done uh had prp done as have two two or three more of my friends as well and uh i think i'm a year and a half later and still just rocking um i can't recommend it enough and it at the very least it's worth a try
0: i'll I'll, i will bring it up to uh, my doctor. Well, your
1: I, doctor's going to poo-poo it. That's, well, no, that's why I, I'm telling you.
0: Yeah. See, now you're cutting <clears throat> me off. No? Okay. Continue. Uh, I'm pretty certain this doctor would not be of the poo-poo ilk. Okay. He is receptive to n- new techniques. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll bring it up for discussion. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing progress with the hyaluronic acid. There's mm. no doubt about that. And what's, what's the
1: overall thought process of the hyaluronic acid. What does, what I don't even know. About
0: so, that. uh, basic, basically that's, um, it's injecting basically more joint cushion, but you know, essentially, mm-hmm. so uh, basically both my knees are traumatic, traumatic osteoarthritis from when I got hit in 17 mm-hmm. and it's an ongoing degenerative thing. Mm-hmm. And w- w-
1: what the fuck
0: was that? That was an acorn. Gee, that scared me, and I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> and um, surgery surgery helped at one point, and you know,
1: they just scoped it or what? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, well, I mean, torn meniscus in both knees is part of it, but mm-hmm. just all all sorts of stuff. And I thought we thought I thought it was getting better, mm-hmm. and I was just being stubborn about it, and I didn't recognize it, how degenerative it the it actually was. So I thought it was just I thought it was a me thing. I wasn't writing enough, I wasn't losing enough weight or or whatever else. And make no mistake those things can help but they can also they can also hurt. Yeah. And that's what I've run into this year was actually the writing is contrib- was contributing to the negative impacts of it unfortunately.
1: PRP bro, I'm telling you. Pretty impressive. Uh, I've been very impressed and and I wouldn't have even known about it unless uh, somebody told me about it um, and like I said, two of our friends had it before me and they were I mean to see them go from where they were to Do where you, they uh, are does anybody I,
0: had it specifically with knee issues have you seen no
1: but they that's the one of the main things they focus on is knees okay uh, knees backs um, uh, shoulders. And I think neck, um, it's, it's all these pain points that you have where you built up scar tissue and stuff. Now, obviously there's stuff that they can't deal with, you know, um, but I would, I, I think a consultation is free. Understood. I would go and talk to them and take any paperwork or scans or stuff you have and just hear what they have to say.
0: I'm, you know, I'm I'm, op- I'm open to new stuff
1: because they're they're straight up. They will tell you mm, this isn't going to work for you or they tell you, hey, we you could see a 75 percent turnaround with with this. And I mean, I'm telling you, it was two days, three days. And by the time the tightness got got done, because um, they did on my back, they did. Uh, the, the worst part about it was all the local that they give you um, to deaden the area so they can give you the actual injections. Um, it felt like a bunch of bee stings mm-hmm. on my lower back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else just felt like pressure, felt like somebody just pushing their thumb into you. Um, but they gave me, I think, 80 injections. And 80? 80, yeah. Um, and it was, like I said, two days later, I was like, felt like a fucking cyborg. I mean, it was um, it's akin to when I had LASIK done. I went from I couldn't see shit till all of a sudden I opened my eyes and I was like, Whoo. This is this is And he is crazy. wearing glasses for anyone
0: that's wondering. Well
1: all these things these these non invasive solutions, they have an expiration date. Yep. You know, I had uh my LASIK lasted for I wanna say fifteen years. Not bad, you uh, know. That's pretty good. So and then this has an expiration date, too. It's not a permanent fix. Right. Which is also, I think, a good thing because if you go in and you do something permanent, like change your joint and put in plastic or metal or whatever five years from now and they go, oh, that's stupid technology. We need to fix that or, you know, it went wrong because of this. This is essentially like a, an overblown cortisol shot. You know what I mean? But I think it's a good thing all the way around. So, I mean, I will have to do something else in sure. the future sure. for my back.
0: But, and, I mean, and ultimately, that's what I'm saying. I, ha- I have to find an ongoing solution to delay the knee replacement aspect of it. Uh, that, um, that, that's our goal right now. And that's why I'm saying my, uh, my current doctor, I, it, I'm sure he's aware of PRP. Mm-hmm. And if he thought it was the right solution, I would expect he pro- he would be the type that probably would have already brought it into the conversation. Hmm. But I'll clarify it to make sure. And if I'm not satisfied with his response, I'll be more than happy to talk to somebody else and get a different opinion. Because, I mean, the one thing that is universal is this is not the time of my life to have both knees replaced. Yeah. Because I'm going to have to do it again in 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. With current technology. So yeah. what we're trying to do is to hopefully uh, delay the knee replacement as long as possible to begin with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but then hopefully the technology of the knee replacement improves over the course of time. So what's maybe a 10 to 15 year window turns into a 15 to 20 year window yeah. or a 20 to 30 year window sort of thing. Yeah. Not that I want to live that long, but I, you know, mm. we'll see. We'll see.
1: I think this is a perfect application, especially given those parameters. But well, I'm not a doctor.
0: You, but you're an engineer. Hmm. <laughs> Chef engineer. Yeah.
1: Oh, I think I've said everything I need to say. Other than just take another second and just admire how gorgeous today is.
0: What's What's, what's the red berries over there?
1: I don't know um they're all on these vines uh i'm fairly certain they're not edible by anybody i, I imagine they're poisonous I, 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 see,
0: I mean isn't that poison ivy creeping up there? no 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 it's
1: it's <laughs> it's um it's not english ivy but it is a type of ivy it is an ivy it's definitely not poison ivy but yeah there's there's uh oh,
0: yeah i see it all up and down that one there Yeah, they look
1: like currants i can never say that word currants uh, Currants?
0: I, I've
1: I heard think it, it's currants. I've heard, currants. Of, I've heard it both ways. Curran, curran.
0: They're very good, though.
1: Yeah. But um, that's what it looks like. But every time I see wild oh. berries, they scare me. Here,
0: here, here was one of my biggest takeaways from Spinistry Palooza.
1: Mm-hmm. The, uh,
0: the, the word P-O-T-A-B-L-E regarding water. Uh-huh. How do you pronounce it?
1: I've always called it potable. Okay.
0: And that... And...
1: But it's also one of those things I have no clue.
0: And I've, I've been calling it potable for years. Mm-hmm. And at the insistence of somebody that I, I had faith in their opinion, mm-hmm. when I used to pronounce it potable, tell me mm-hmm. how wrong I was. Don Dapkiss and I got into a debate over the campfire about how that's pronounced. Mm-hmm. And I was adamant that it's potable. Mm-hmm. And he was adamant that it's potable. Mm-hmm. And uh, further research shows that both he and you are correct. It is potable.
1: I could see where logic would dictate you're able to put it in a pot.
0: That's potable. That that was basically the uh, the the reasoning that was explained to me from a military standpoint. So maybe in the U.S. military they may refer to it as potable, but the proper English pronunciation of it is potable. Hmm. Well,
1: I think it doesn't matter what you say. People know exactly what you're talking about.
0: And those that don't yeah. shouldn't be at Spinnestry Palooza. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shall, shall we roll out of here? Let's do it.